Come on. They're right there. Let's go. Move, 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 move. This episode of Choices Not Chances podcast is sponsored by Louisiana Gun Shop. Located on Highway 90 West in Broussard, Louisiana, just south of Lafayette. For more information, stay tuned at the end of this episode. This is Choices Not Chances podcast with Ryan and Matt. I'm your co-host, Matthew Charette. Sitting next to me is Ryan Rogers. Ryan. Hey guys, thanks for coming back. Appreciate you being here. If anything resonates with you and needs to be shared out, make sure that you're sharing it out. We want those active hitters, TDG and these things, uh, these stories, because uh, that's what they are, but they're real stories that you can use uh, uh, for the future. Today, my guest is Larry Breyer. Larry is a retired first sergeant, grunt marine, and uh, did a couple of things in Fallujah, a couple of tours in Fallujah, a couple of tours other places, and uh, we're going to get it out and, uh, and and get it out there for you guys to hear today. Um Lessons learned. Let's just call it that. Larry, thanks for coming out. I know that we've been kind of jumping around a little bit. Um, I had some sickness in the family and then death in the family and then I double booked. So, um, so I appreciate you being patient with me and, and showing up, showing out and, uh, and laying this down for the guys to hear. Yeah, man. Welcome on. Thank you. So, um, you know, let's just start in the beginning. I know we've been talking offline a little bit. We got, you know, some things to cover for sure, but let's start in the beginning. And um, where do you come from? Family, family culture, and siblings, sports, things of that nature. Yeah, I um, I would live in Michigan, growing up in Michigan. Um, so um, I got a big history of family um, in the military. Um, my uh, uncle was a Marine. My grand, both grandpas were a Marine, and then also my dad was in Vietnam, and his dad was in the Army as well. So. Um, so I, I just want to keep that tradition alive. And then my little brother joined the Marine Corps eight years after I did too, as well. So, um, and then, uh, he was a mass sergeant too. So, but yeah, I, I just want to keep the tradition alive. Um, you know, in my family, as far as, uh, supporting the military and uh, I joined the Marine Corps cause I wanted to be, um, a Marine. I wanted to be the best. So that's what I did. Yeah. So, um, so growing up, did you play sports? Yeah, of course I did. I played baseball, football, and wrestled. Um, I, I played baseball all year round. Uh, that was probably my best sport. And, um, yeah, man. Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. Um, I played football, baseball. I wrestled as well. Uh, those were my big three. I, I enjoyed them. And, uh, and now I coach baseball. So, oh, awesome, uh, not, not, not so much of a football coach. I think my brother took the, took the cake on that, but, um, but yeah, love baseball and, and then wrestling. I think that's great for a young man coming up. My son's going to wrestle as well as soon as he uh, gets a little bigger, yeah. um, a little older. But, you know, that's great. I think there's a lot to be learned about, you know, life from sports growing up. And a, a lot of the guys that I talk to, a lot of the just, you know, like in my estimation, the guys that um, were great leaders and impactful mm-hmm. leaders in, in my experience or to me, they happen to be those guys. And, yeah. and, and then coaches that impacted me mm-hmm. later, uh, there's tons to learn from sports. And yeah, I think that competitive nature um, really uh, drives you, um, you know, in life. A hundred percent. I think that not only that, but I think that, you know, depending on when you, depending on when you engage in sports, for me, it was very young, like right. T-ball, right? Right. But outside of siblings, those are some of the first people you learn to lead 
or to follow, depending on, you know, your right. position on a team. And the earlier you can get your kids leading other peers, uh, the better, in my For opinion. Sure. You know, that we do that in the Marine Corps. As soon as you come in, you're going to be leading something, mm-hmm. you know, a sand table range, you know, a, a rock walk. And it's probably way over your head. And that's okay, yep. right? So, and the Marine Corps does a good, uh, does a great, a phenomenal job of putting those, you know, putting junior guys in those positions. That way, later on, um, it's it's not overwhelming. You want it to be overwhelming in training, uh, not later on. So, yeah, sports. So, did you have siblings too? Yeah, I did. I, I got a, a brother who's twelve months uh, younger than me, um, and he lives in New York. And then my, I was talking about my little brother. Um, Unfortunately, he passed away in 2019. Uh, he was, um, this is a quick story, but anyways, he was a mass sergeant stationed in Camp Pendleton, and it was September 22nd, 2019, and they're at the beach at Del Mar, and two kids got stuck in a riptide. He went out to save those kids, save the kids, but he drowned, so. Yeah. Yeah, I know we talked about that offline, and I had read that article, and man, that's, um, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, man. Uh, there's something that he did die like a hero. I mean, he died saving somebody else's life, which, you know, goes right in lockstep with his career. Right. Um, but, but that's tough, man. I read about that and seen that on the news and that's hard. That's hard. That's a hard thing. Um, you said it's 2019, right? Yes. Yeah. 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 So, um, God, that sucks. Uh, what about when, when did you start? When did you come in? Oh, I came in the Marine Corps August 1992. 92? Uh, yep. Okay, so 92, and when did you retire? I retired in 2013. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. All right, well, let's get into that. What was what would you say the catalyst was? It sounds like family service and tradition. Yeah, I'd say definitely. Because you didn't have 9-11. You didn't no. have any big American catalyst. No. So it was more, hey, this is a family yeah, it was a family thing, and also too, I wanted to you know get outside Michigan and see different things and experience different things and stuff like that. And you know, at the time, I don't think college is for me. You know, mm. um, you know, I I didn't like studying. You know, so I was more worried about the time, girls and sports. Honestly, you know, yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. Check. So you go in right out of high school, I assume. Yep. All yep. Right. So right out of high school in Michigan. So you're coming down to Paris Island. No, at the, no. At the time, we we're going to California. Okay. Okay. So yeah, I went to you know M- MCRD San Diego, did my time there. Matter of fact, uh, which is crazy, um, freaking uh, uh, one of my drill instructors was Sergeant Major Barrett. He was a staff okay. sergeant at the time. So yeah, that was fun. Oh, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The small world. Yeah. Yeah, that's funny. All right, so uh, so take me through where. Um, you go to Paris Island, you go to SOY. Uh, who's your first unit you're checking into? Well, I did security forces for about, a, I don't know, less than a year and a half because I was in uh, Norfolk, Virginia. Yeah. Um, so um, it shut down, and then I got orders to 2-4. Um, okay. And then uh, after we get back from Cuba, or maybe we're during Cuba, I can't remember. I think when we came back, we switched to 2-6. What's that? We switched to 2-6. Okay, okay. Yeah, so it went from 2-4 to 2-6. Um, so we get back from Cuba. So you did Cuba with two, four. Yes. Okay. So you'd yeah. like stand in mop post. Yeah, it was, it was like, um, the Cuban, um, it wasn't really mock post. I would say it's more, we we're just doing peacekeeping missions. Okay. So if I remember correctly at the time, the, there was 
a local you know organization that was trying to overthrow the government. Okay. Um, so I know the ambassador probably contacted the White House, whatever, and said they need help. The, the uh, embassy needs some help. So we went there for like three months, whatever, and uh, you know basically just doing peacekeeping missions. You know nothing. Nothing happened as far as like weapons wise or anything mm-hmm, like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was more like throwing rocks at you and stuff like that. So yeah, but you had like a mass of people at the gate or at the embassy. Yeah, what? I mean, there's always crowds there. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of people there. I mean, we, we just you know bet you know like we we had our baton sticks, the the shields, like less lethal. Yeah, 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 yeah non lethal crap. So yeah, um, yeah, it sucked. Yeah, but it, it is what it is. Yeah, I get it. I was in Cuba f- in '05. Okay, and but I had to. The mop standing, you know, post standing, interdicting Cuban asylum seekers kind of thing. So right. it was it was lame. We got good training on though. I got you. So so cool. So you come out of that and you go to two six. You said yeah. So two four two six. Mm-hmm. Now you're over here and what's that looking like? So uh, so I when getting to two six, um, I think in ninety five, if I remember correctly, yeah, ninety five ninety six, um, we went on to a med float. Um, and then that's when Bosnia was going on. Okay. So we did like, basically we, we did some good training the first couple months. And then after that, we pretty much stuck on ship do, doing gator squares. Um, yeah. so, but, uh, you know, we practice, you know, unloading, unloading the tracks. Like we're going to go into, go into Bosnia, which we never did because it's an army brigade there. I remember correctly. So yeah, we just did, <clears throat> excuse me, we just did that. And then when we got back from there, um, we went to Panama. Mm-hmm. Um, that's when, uh, they got rid of the security forces out of Panama and they want some kind of presence there, there in, uh, Panama. So we went there for, I think like four or five months. I can't remember specifically how, how long it was. So we just did a lot of training there. Um, and then, and then we, after we came back from there, um, I did super squad. Okay. Um, now talk about that a little bit. Cause yeah. that's something like my op tempo, I guess, when I was coming up was we were just always right. in and out, in and out of the middle East um, and I never got to participate in that, mm-hmm. but it's something that I find very cool that yeah. I didn't get to participate in. Yeah. I mean, during the war, you know, there's no super squad going on. So, um, how it was back then, I'm not sure about now you had a battalion competition. Um, at the time Gunnar Waroff was our gunner at two six and, um, by far the battalion competition was the hardest thing that, you know, hardest competition that, you know, we went through for division, I mean, for regiment division. So we did that one that. You won. Um, you won for the division. We won for the division. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So we won regiment. Then we won division. Um, after we, you win division, you go up to um, you go up to uh, Virginia and do an evening parade. And then before the evening parade, the commandant will give you your super squad badge. Um, he he would also give you. I think we got our NAM then. I can't remember. We got our NAMs then too as well. Oh yeah. Um, I, I think the biggest. I, I, no, I think we got the NAM then. It was just. The badge, okay, and then okay. The, on the badge it has your name, what year you won, um, and then yeah, it was it was pretty cool though, man. Now, we, what kind of ranges are we talking? Like what what, what was involved? So, um, it, it was everything. Like so, you know, back in the day, back there, you know, we're, we're doing more, um, you know, more stuff like preparing for the Soviet, really. You know, so we're doing, you know, offense, defense, kind of stuff, more in the field. Um, so, you know, he also had an endurance run. I think it was like 25 clicks or something like that. Um, we had that. Um, and then you're carrying your pack, whatever load we had in there. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what it was. Um, and then uh, we had to do um, call for fire. Um, 
we did we also did some marksmanship stuff as well. Um, and then uh, probably the biggest thing for the squad is just doing the order. You know, mm-hmm. you know how how good he was doing how 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 good they're doing the order you know as far as getting information out uh our squadron is really good at orders um so yeah you know we did that man and, and we won and then and then we came back from there and then i think we went to okinawa on the UDP. and that was with two six yeah that was yeah, yeah, six. Yeah, yeah yeah and all this is pre-9-11 but that that that's something that i hear you know some of the older guys talk about some of the generation before me the super squads and going up i think that's dope yeah and if awesome. they're not doing are they doing it now are they are they yeah, back I, doing it i i talked to a marine from 2-6 not too long ago you ran into him fishing and said they're doing it but they just did it at the battalion level mm-hmm. so i'm mm-hmm. not sure if they're doing it at the division level anymore it doesn't sound like it i'm not really sure but I, I tell you, for me, anyways, like you know, because I, I was a young uh, Lance Corporal as a team leader, and um, that really developed me as far as yeah. like, you know, physical. I was always a physical fit, natural runner, so that was simple. Mm-hmm. But as far as tactic, tactic wise, and you know, um, just leading a team and um, in learning, learning from my peers, learning from my you know fellow team leaders as well. So, um, well, I think there's a lot of pride and prestige that can kind of flow into that too, like. Not everybody has, right. you know, a best squad badge. Yep. And that, you know, if you're not in wartime, that is your comp. That is your arena. Yep. You know, that would be your arena to sh- to say, hey, you don't have what I have. You, right. you don't have the squad I have or you don't have the team I have. And then it gives everybody that doesn't have that that motivation or fire to say, no, my, you know, I can do that. My squad can, you know. And so I think, uh, I think that's a great idea. Obviously it doesn't work in wartime, yeah. you know, real good, but see, see how we did that too, as well is like, we took, we took, we asked for volunteers, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, I got my buddy, uh, Adam Walker, he, he retires a master guns, but I got him to do it. And it's other guy to do it. Um, another corporal to do it. But we asked for volunteers to do it because we wanted people who wanted to do it. We, we didn't want, sure. we didn't want the company to say, Hey, you're doing it. So, um, and what we did, we, we took Marines from the, the whole entire company. You put a mass, you put yeah. a, you put a super squad together yeah, yeah, to, yeah. to run it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, and I mean, when you're going up against regiment and division, that's what they're going to do right. too. They're going to take their best and slam them together. And I like what you said about asking for volunteers, because if you're making somebody do something that they don't otherwise want to do, they could be the best at that thing. And if they're not dumping passion into it and, and the want, uh, they're not going to do it as good as say somebody that's 80% of their, uh, uh, of their ability that wants it right they'll sure. work harder every For time sure. yeah. yeah i mean we wanted people who who we wanted people who had a good reputation but also wanted to volunteer to do it sure sure because uh, we because we wanted the we, we wanted the win obviously yeah so yeah yeah man. why put in the time if you're not gonna yeah yeah and so what year is that again uh i believe that was 96 we won check very cool let's go on from there um, Ash, actually, you got the NAM for being the super squad, right? So mm-hmm. you not only get this badge to set you apart, but mm-hmm. you're getting a NAM and a commendatory fit rep if you're an NCO, right, uh, or sergeant. You right. know that that's that's huge for a career too. Yeah. So yeah, and that that too, and um, I got meritorious support of the corporal as well. Um, and then and Lance Corporal team leader, yeah, take super squad, yep. get the badge, get the NAM, get yep. a promotion. Yeah. Come on, man. That's a that's a pretty yeah. Good, it, it was cr- it was crazy though, dude. Like when I got promoted to corporal, we we're in the division formation. We we're doing some division operation thing. It was pouring raining. Everybody's pissed <laughs> off. Everybody's pissed off at me because I'm doing this promotion thing. Yes. So 
when the general promoted me, you know, he's like, well, congratulations. You know, I'm like, yeah, thank you. And he's like, well, are you happy? I'm like, well, yeah, I'm happy to be a corporal, but I've been waiting to be a corporal for nine months. <laughs> um, you know, he's like, well, what's going on with this? I don't know. I got a remedial package in. And uh, make a long story short, um, they backdated my pay, backdated my rank to when I was supposed to get, get it, and then also got my pay. So, you know, I was a young Marine with two kids, um, and, you know, money was tight back then. Yeah. So, I, you know, I really needed that money, you know. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now you're corporal. Uh, you stay at 2-6 then for yep. another one? Yep. Yeah, I stayed at 2-6 for uh, deployment to, um, uh, UDP deployment to uh, Okinawa. Okay, and and that's same year. Yes. Okay. Same year. Sure, sure. I think it was ninety six, ninety seven. Now, did you guys do um, did you guys do any canopy training? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Now, talk about that a little. It's something I got none of. I missed. I missed the UDPs. I missed that kind of training, and that's right. something that I wanted to do. Or in hindsight, I wish I would have. Yeah. Well, I mean, let me go back to Panama because Panama's triple canopy there. Okay. Um, so we got a lot of training in triple canopy in Panama. And one thing about Panama, Panama's hot. So yeah. um, 90% of the time, it'd be like 100 degrees and it'd always be raining, you know, for some reason, you know, it's close to the equator. So um, I think the training in Panama um, for, us, for us jungle, you know, training, um, was probably a little more tougher because um, it's just a triple canopy and Okinawa single canopy. Right. Um, so, you know, you do the typical stuff when you go to um, Okinawa back then. You know, we, we go to the Jungle Warfare Training Center, spend time out there. Um, that's not counting the operations, you know, training we do um, on our own too as well as a company. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, we do the Jungle Warfare Training, you know, did a lot of um, – a lot of rappelling, fast roping, stuff like that. Um, you know, we, you know, we, Webb's company always went to um, mainland Japan for some kind of package. I forgot what the package is called. So, you know, we basically just did a lot of training, you know, in, in Okinawa and Panama. Um, just now, with with the double or triple canopy training in Panama, mm -hmm. you did nighttime training too? Yes. Black, black? Oh, man, you can't see anything. Like, can't see your hand, right? You can't see your hand, yeah. So I'll give you an example. In Panama, I had a Marine, and uh, this, this is probably one of the dumbest Marines I ever had, honestly. <laughs> and uh, so this this guy, um, name is Riddle, and I'll, I'll never forget the name. Anyways, make a long story short, we were um, we were we were on a patrol base, um, and uh, so we we always whenever we're trying to patrol base, we always try to find the worst nastiest area, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, so. Uh, we find this area, and I tell Riddle, I was like, Riddle, do not move. I was his team leader. Do not move. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, it's like 3 in the morning, and I, I told I told his, told his buddies, make sure you don't move. And make a long story short, Riddle got bit by so many fire ants. That he, he moved? He didn't move. Oh, he didn't? <laughs> no, he didn't move. And uh, make a long story short, so... Uh, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the kid's eyes are in the back of his head, you know? So we, we had an index. Um, oh, like it messed him up. Yes, bad. Like we had... He just laid there and endured. He, yeah, he didn't move. So we had we had an index, and we had this carry, this fireman's carry him, you know? You know me, me, me and this guy, Russell, just took turns. And we were like a click out, man. <laughs> so, you know, they're honking the horn and the hump. He's like passed out? He's, yeah. He's, he's knocked out? He, he stopped breathing like three times. Oh, this is bad, bad. Bad, bad, bad. Oh, no. Uh, so when we got when they got on, I thought the, you were telling a funny story no, no, about this, fire ants. No, this, this isn't funny. This is, yeah. this is a true story. So oh, he had allergic reaction because he got bit by so many fire ants, right? So if you, they said if he didn't make it to the hospital soon, he probably would have died. 
Oh my God. So, you know, I, next day I go visit this kid in the hospital. I'm like, Riddle, why didn't you move? He's like, Sergeant or Corporal, you told me not to move. I was like, dude, if you're getting bit by fire ants, you move. Especially hundreds. Yeah, hundreds. So his whole body was covered. Yeah. Mm. Hey, instant obedience to orders, baby. <laughs> Discipline. I got, I'll give him Discipline, that. good. Yeah, yeah, I'll give him that. Yeah, got it. He might he might not have been the smartest, uh, no, sharpest tool in the shed, but he'd listen to your orders. I'll tell you right now, if I was getting bit, bit by that many fire ants, I would have been running. <laughs> I, had a, I had an incident in boot camp where my drill instructor thought it'd be funny to make me low crawl through them, and mm-hmm. I definitely didn't stay put. I no. can tell you that. No. Mm-mm. Yeah, that's discipline, man. That's um, how long was he in the hospital? Like, that's bad. Um, I think a couple days. A couple days yeah. till they got him. Yeah, righteous. I mean, they, they had to give him some IVs and stuff like that, some stuff for the fire ants, stuff like that. So he he had allergic reaction, got bit by so many of them. You know, it's not even that he was allergic; it's just no. like too much. Yeah, too much. His whole yeah. body was just like I got bit by fire ants before, and his whole body was just caked with blisters. Mm-mm. So, damn, paying them all ants. Panama ants. Panama ants. Yeah. Dude. I mean, the worst thing about Panama, though, that I hated was um, it was called black palm, right? Okay. So it's like this tree, but it's like needles. Oh, then yeah. it, it didn't matter. It, you know, it would go through your camis. It go through your boots. Uh, um, and that's Stay stuff, away from the black palm. Yeah. It's, it's impossible at night, though. You can't see. Yeah. Cause you're just walking right into them. Yeah. <laughs> this is yeah. like walking into a big bush of nettles. Yeah, man. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, terrible. That's not good. No. The reason I ask, I'm reading um, Over the Fence by John Stryker Meyer, and he was Laos, Cambodia, different mm-hmm. places, man. And they talk about in that triple canopy, Yeah, you see nothing that night. Like there's absolutely no light that gets through. And I've been on some dark nights, man, but there's always been some kind of ambient light. I've never been in, in, the, in, in, you know, in the jungle. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I always make a point to ask people that have right. been there, like, hey, what what is that like? And um most people say you didn't want to, you didn't miss nothing. No, yeah, no, I, whatever. No, you, you didn't miss much. Man. Whatever. <laughs> I mean, you, you can. I mean, that's a true statement. You could not see anything in front of you. Yeah, yeah that's insane. Sure. That's insane. Yeah, yeah. Jungle's different, man. I wish I would have got some some kind of experience. And I, I read reading, you know, other guys' books and and hearing other guys' stories is like, yeah. As much as I do wish that I got some training there. Definitely don't want to fight at war there. No, like, that's not my idea uh, of a good time. After, no, I mean after desert war. You know, besides just you know, besides just that alone, you've got the bugs. Oh yeah, yeah. You got the bugs. You have the critters. You know, um, you know all, all that stuff. You know, there's a snake in Okinawa. It's called the habu. Um, of course, we <laughs> ran into them. Of course, the Marines had to kill it. You know, because that's what they wanted to do. But you know, they say stay away from it. That's one of the biggest things you hear a million times. Stay away from it. And you know, one of my Marines had to kill it just to do it. You know. Yeah. So typical Marine got close to it. <laughs> yeah, he's like, well, I ain't taking a chance. Well, we used to drink Cobra blood too. So yeah, until uh, until Peter put a rag on that. Yep. These things happen. What's next? So after I I left two six, I was there for like five years, and then. Um, I didn't have didn't have, I was up for orders reenlisted and I have much of a choice of where to go so I decided to go to Okinawa with the family okay um, and uh, it was probably the best duty station I had for my family I was able to spend time with them mm-hmm. um, and then uh, so I was working down at Camp Schwab for about a year and a half um, being the training NCOs and uh, well at first well I'm gonna go back at first we had a scout platoon um, if you want to call it, they. they supposed to be like the snipers for the regiment right mm-hmm. 
so I had like thirty something Marines, and we had no snipers in the in the in the comp- I mean in the platoon at all. I sent like four snipers or four Marines to sniper school, and they all failed. Oh no! And then shortly after that, um, I think the general generals got involved, and they wanted to get rid of the scout platoon. So um, then I, made, I was at the training NCO for about I don't know like six months or so, maybe maybe a little longer. And then um, I was asking to leave there, and I went to Camp Courtney, and then uh, went to a three shop for about I don't know a year or so. Okay, so. And who's that with? Um, I was with when I was with the um, on Schwab. I was with Fourth Marine Regiment. Okay. And then when I left there, I went to shoot. I don't remember some H and S company or something like that. Gotcha. Um, so yeah, I did that, and then um, um, asked for some orders or asked to, asked to do something different, and then uh, they're like, okay, well, we, we'll send you to uh, other staff. I, I just got no, I didn't get it yet. But anyways, I, I had orders to. Uh, Security for school, and um, I got promoted to uh, staff sergeant when I was at the school there, and um, so I got orders to uh, Bangor, Washington, um, uh, PRP command. Out yeah, there. PRP yeah. command. Yeah, so did that for about two years, um, and then I had orders back to two six. Now, where where does that take us year wise? So that had to be let's see, two thousand to two thousand two when I was in when I was in uh, Bangor, Washington. So nine eleven takes place while you're at PRP in Banger. Nine um, eleven took place when I was in security force school. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. When I was in security force, my wife was still in, and kids are still in Okinawa, Japan, and I was in security force school in Chesapeake, Virginia. Check. So check. How would that affect you? Um, I mean, it, it affected me. Um, I think it affected me because one, my brother, uh, my middle brother John, he was living in New York City, and he lived like. And he worked like five minutes from World Trade Center there. So I was actually, I didn't even check in the school yet. I was actually back home in Michigan at my dad's house. And um, so I remember I remember my mom calling me, um, are you watching the news? And I wasn't watching the news. I was sleeping. And uh, that's when September 11th happened. Um, so, you know, I'm watching this, what happened. And after the first plane hit and then the second plane, hit, I'm like, this is not by accident. Mm-hmm. This is this is terrorist. Um, so, um, my family's back in Okinawa. They're on lockdown. They can't leave the base. Yeah, right? That's what yeah. my next question yeah, was. They, yeah. yeah. They couldn't leave the base for like a week or something like that. Um, and then, uh, and then when, when I got to security for school, of course, you know, everybody's talking about nine 11, blah, blah, blah. And, um, yeah. So, I mean, it didn't really, at the time, nine 11 didn't really affect me as far as like, um, like going, going to combat right away because I was in security force, uh, a company then um but, but if, you probably knew that what was coming yeah i knew it was coming yeah, yeah I, I everybody knew it was coming as far as you know you know once we found out who did it and yeah, and, yeah. and you know what's going to be next so i knew when i left security force security forces i knew that i was going to go to combat yeah yeah so yeah so who do you go to after fat or after prp and banger oh uh, i went to two six again i used two six baby yeah, huh man. yeah i spent 10 years in two six so Went to two six. My first tour, I was an Echo Company, and okay. then my second tour, I was a Fox Company. And so I checked in, and then I was taking over uh, Third Platoon for another staff sergeant. And um, shortly after that, we found out that we're going to Afghanistan. Um, that's when, uh, at the time, at the time we were part of the AT Battalion. Yeah. So my company went to Kabul, Afghanistan, to guard the embassy. Um, Echo Company went to um, Kabul, Afghanistan, to um, be president Karzai's security, 
and then Goff Comedy went to Baghdad to um, to guard the embassy there. Okay. And kinetics on that? No, no kinetics. No, no, no. I mean, I mean, there would be some fire like outside the embassy or you know RPG. Not direct engagement no, with not, you guys at not all. Not directly at us. And, you know, we we'd be on patrols. So we try to do security around the you know around the the embassy, and we never had any kind of problems at all. And then. I think every three days or so we would go from uh, Kabul to the ANA training area, uh-huh. and uh, we we go there with two vehicles and go train and shoot. So, um, and we never had any problems. Yeah, yeah, it was early. Yeah, I, I think during that time, I think one six was in um, Kandahar, I believe, during that period of time. And then I I know when we we're getting ready to leave. Um, Kabul. That's when Phantom Fury happened, and okay. then and then we found out we had to leave early. We found out we're going to go to um we're going to go to Fallujah. So we we knew when we left Afghanistan, we're going to Fallujah. Check. Yeah. So you come home from Afghanistan, did you even get a full workup. Yeah, I mean it wasn't a full workup. I think it was instead of being like you know six months, it was probably like four or five months. Yeah. Um, but you know we 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 were all mentally prepared because we were frustrated in Afghanistan because we were fighting. You know we're watching on the news Phantom Fury. We're like, what are we doing here? Yeah, we're sitting here running security yeah. patrols. I get it. Yeah. A lot of guys say that too that we're on the mew, like watching the campaign happen on AFN from the ship cutting gator squares in the middle of the ocean, just pissed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah, that's that's a that's a feeling for sure. All right, well, let's get into Fallujah then. So um, we went to Fallujah in '05. Um, so when we first got there, we were between the train station and the and the government center. Um, kind of just really didn't have a, a home. I would say we're kind of just like jumping from house to house, um, just trying to like establish some kind of presence there because there really wasn't no presence. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe after a month, we were there. Um, I can't remember if it was two seven or three seven. We change over with them, um, and then we're going to be responsible for the government center, um, which the government center is right on Route Fran. Mm-hmm. Um, that's like the main road that runs through um, down, you know, downtown Fallujah. If you want to call them downtown. So I, um, like I was telling you earlier, um, you know, the, all all their guys are saying it's not that bad here, you know, so on and so forth. And um, the first patrol we went on, I had a squad, saying a squad and a half of Marines, but lieutenant had a squad and a half of Marines. And uh, they they stopped my lieutenant stopped in a, on a UXO and you know and you know seventh Marines or whoever they were I think it was two seven man and uh, you know one of their corporals got shot in the neck um, thank God he survived and after that it was downhill from there as far as the fighting was you know or you know indirect fire RPGs IEDs um, now now you say the lieutenant had a squad and a half and you had a squad and a half yeah. and the lieutenant stopped on UXO mm-hmm. like to coordinate or call yeah, something it, in or? yeah yeah the call I'm sorry I should have been more specific the call EOD in okay so, so they're setting up a cordon and calling EOD and while they're on this cordon one of it, one of your marines gets shot in the throat yeah not my marine two seven marines two seven yeah, marines yeah, yeah. get shot yeah, in the yeah, throat the, the squad there got shot now is this just a sniper shot or is this yeah, just so a, it, was, it was sniper shot it's not an ambush it's just no. One shot rings one, out. One and they, shot. Yep. Oh, that's eerie. Yeah. So what goes down with that? They kill him? No, I didn't kill him. No, thank God I didn't kill him. You know, they're they're you know my corpsman and and their corpsman are able to stop the bleeding. Thank God and you know get him the fluid surgical ASAP. And um, so I, I we were on we were on a on a foot patrol. So they had to call you know Kazi back in the, the S, you know to bring them ring to fluid surgical. And um, you know thank God he survived as well. So. 
Um, but you know, like I was saying, after that, it was pretty much downhill after that. One thing about the government center that I hated was um, there's only one way in and one way out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's so much defilade that you, you couldn't even see, and the surgeon put an ID in. So, the, you know, you, you could literally put an ID right outside the government center, right outside our gate, and you wouldn't even know. Um, and did they do that? Yes, they did that. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, we were able, thank God, we were able to majority time find them, you know, um, you know, before going off. So, um, you know, one thing about, you know, just trying to paint a picture of uh, the government center, you know, where we were at for our FOB. So you have these buildings everywhere around, like, you know, enemy buildings per se, because, you know, we, we have no access to it. You know, mm-hmm. we can go in there, of course, but, you know, it, it's just a bad location. I mean, we'd indirect fire every single night. Um, like we, hitting, hitting your, hitting our, your our fob? fob. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Hitting our fob. Um, we, we had RPGs every single night. Um, you know, it just, just for us, just for our Marines to go to the bathroom, we had to wear a helmet Kevlar. It finally got to a point where it was so bad. My Marines asked me, said, Hey, you know, Gunny, can we, I was a staff sergeant at the time. No, staff sergeant, can we, um, no, actually a uh, Gunny, I'm sorry. Cause I got promoted in Af- uh, Gunny in Afghanistan. Um, and then they asked me, said, do you mind if we put a, you know, put a wag bag, wag bag shitter, you know, on, on the second deck for us to do this instead of us going downstairs every time? But I'm like, yeah, sure. I don't care. Yeah. So, yeah. So, you know, actually during that period of time, this is like right after this happened, um, some Marines from golf company, they were towards ECP three. I remember correctly, same thing happened. They had some indirect fire come in and they were, two Marines were, you know, in the shitter in the portage on, they died taking mm-hmm. shit. I was in country when that happened. Yeah. In Iraq, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. It was a lieutenant, wasn't it, one of them? I think so, yeah. One of them was a lieutenant. Yeah, yeah that so. uh, the, They had a mass. Um, I was over on uh, the Syrian border by, like, Camp Gannon, Karabla, Rawa, Ubaidi, okay. um, on bronze. Bronze and diamond where diamond and bronze intersected over by the border over there. And that, like, a stand down came down after that. Yeah. And I want to say the way it was explained to me that they couldn't rule out that it was celebratory fire in the air. And one of the rounds, cause the round trajectory coming into the Lieutenant came down yeah, like this. On his head, yeah. Yeah. Crazy man. But, and that's another thing like people, I don't say people, but you know, if you're, if you don't know and you haven't been there, you'd be like, Oh, he got shot in the head. Like somebody, a sniper. It's like, mm, not always yeah. like they'd have a wedding and you'd see tracers running up in the That's air. True. They win a soccer game in Saudi Arabia and you'd see tracers and, and, and shit going straight up in the air. And then, you know, what goes up must come down. Absolutely. And so, um, yeah, that's crazy. So after that, that stand down came when I was over there and we had to start tacking up to go out to the shitter after that because they were like it could happen anywhere you know what i mean kind of thing yeah yeah that's wild that's wild so what was the um what was the op tempo like uh in fallujah when you're there is it just kicking out security security patrols every day um i mean it's it's both it's security patrols if we got some intel there's a high value target or go snatch them up yeah go snatch them up and you know or you do some raids Mm -hmm. um you know there, the one thing about one thing about there, you know, is kind of kind of located where a lot of the bad guys are at, close to Jolan District and stuff like that. So you would have Delta come in there. You would you would have uh, you would have uh, the Rangers come in there. You would have Recon in there. And um, this is on the heels of Phantom Fury, so it's not right. like it was a great place. You right. know, there's a lot of hardened fighters up yeah. in there, so a lot to do. Yeah. So I mean, I think a period of time we had Recon. Um, we 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 had recon um, 
staying with us for about a month. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they were actually in the COC with us, staying, you know, sleeping there and all that. So it, it was, um, and we did some operations with them and, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, and then, you know, they, they, of course they did the, the kicking in the door stuff and stuff like that. We just, just, they're there just to help them, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, we did that with those guys and, um, yeah, it was, it, it was a, it was a tough deployment, man. I, mean, I think we lost 12 or 15 Marines one week to sniper fire. Well, and talk about that. It's something we were talking about offline. Cause at first you did, you, you felt like they were high shooting down and mm-hmm. you kind of couldn't figure it out. Talk, talk about the evolution of that. Yeah. So, um, we were, we were, um, well, it's two of my Marines got shot. Um, and we weren't sure if it was sniper, sniper fire at the time or what, but you know, we had a good idea. So anyways, it was, um, I believe it was second platoon, um, that was the, that took, took that, uh, yeah, those two Marines go down, uh, Cobalt Gettings actually died. Um, he was awarded the silver star. Um, and then also wisdom got shot. Wisdom got shot when he's trying to get Gettings out of the kill zone. So, um, maybe a, a few days after that happened, we seen a video that they, that they posted, terrorists posted. Um, and then we noticed inside the vehicle that, you know, the, the cameraman was in a vehicle. And then we noticed that, that the sniper was shooting from a platform inside the, inside the vehicle, uh, through, through the tailgate. Um, and then if you, if you watch the video, cause it actually showed when Getty got hit and wisdom got hit, my Marines were shooting the opposite way. So, um, you, you mean know, to return fire? Yeah, return fire. Because they just didn't know they where it was coming know. from. Yeah, they, they didn't know. So, you know, they, you know, typically at the, before this happened, we thought, you know, the was coming from a rooftop because all the buildings are connected. Uh, we never even thought about, you know, a platform in the vehicle. Yeah. So, yeah, that was, that was uh, eye-opening, you know, to say the least, you know, because... Of course we never let vehicles get close to us but we never realized there was a sniper shooting from a platform you know in the vehicle yeah so man everything we do to fill the hole they're going to find a workaround right absolutely um, absolutely and yeah. then we had that in, in in the united states at one time the dc shooter exactly exactly uh, the same the, thing same exact thing same right exact thing. inside the trunk of yep. a vehicle or, or in this case it was yours was a truck right um, or was he in a, like a sedan as well? I, I think it was a sedan. Yeah. So they hollow out a place yep. to see with the sight and to see with the, the barrel. Yep. Drive up, make their shot and keep moving huh? That's probably where he got it from. <laughs> you know? Uh, yeah, it might be. You know what I'm saying? Uh, it might be. So one yeah. or the other, whichever one came first. No, yeah, no, it, it, was, it would have been the, your the, guys the, first. Yeah, DC sniper was after. Yeah. Cause that was like eight. Was yeah, I think so. I think yeah, so. Yeah. 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 That's wild. That's wild. And for all you guys out there that are that are listening to this and maybe some of the ones that are still hitting, like understand that. They're not stupid. Um, nobody that you ever fight when their life is on the line is going to be stupid. So every work, every every job you do to patch something TTP-wise is going to be worked around. And it's going to become a game of cat and mouse, essentially, uh, of working around each other. Patch, work around, patch, work around, patch. And that's one of those ones I haven't heard. Uh, you know, I heard about the DC sniper, of course. But... Right. People shooting from platforms and sedans in country wasn't something I came across. So that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, you bring up a good point. And in Fluja, like, okay, say, let's say we we did more, say we started doing more uh, vehicle patrols, right? Mm-hmm. There'd be more IDs. We started doing more foot patrols. There'd be more ambushes and IDs. So you know, it's it's like a cat and mouse game. It yeah. really it really is. You, know, you we always think we'd be like one step ahead of the enemy. We want to think like the enemy. We want to be one step ahead of me. But they're doing the same thing to us as Absolutely. well. Absolutely, they're they're adjusting. They're adjusting. You know, for the longest time, 
there were always, you know, whenever they had an idea that was always detonated by a person. Mm-hmm. And it got to a point where they weren't doing that anymore. They were getting killed that way. Yeah, the trigger man's getting killed. So they, they, they typically adjust. And then, so, you know, they started doing, you know, single IDs. Then they started doing doubles, started doing triples. So, you know, they always adjust. You 100%. Know? If, you, if you follow that into Marja, we had our relief come in for us and relief came in for one six and everybody's kind of doing that rip toe, yep. you know, a couple of weeks of rip toe and transitioning that authority. And, and, uh, the very first rip patrol for one six in their relief, and they only had like two squad leaders come yeah. in to rip them, you know, so they right. two new squad leaders that are going to take over are running out on a patrol with the guys that have been there seven months and the squad leader briefs them, you know, and it's not bad on everybody you know when right. you're there things are things are clustered but you know the ttp for the taliban became to initiate the ambush in the open mm-hmm. knowing that the marines were going to suck to the closest cover yep. and fight from it yep. so they started organizing the battlefield at, like a chessboard and they would put a double stacked anal ied in this doorway in this doorway and then maybe in this compound over here's doorway yep. and wait till the marines would come in the middle knowing that they were going to go there open up whether they hit them or not right. they drive them to cover because they knew that's what the marines were doing right mm-hmm. happened to them mm-hmm. and the squad leader you know of the of the of the guys that have been on the ground briefed it hey this is what they're doing if you've got to make cover you're going over a wall onto a roof climb something launch your buddy do not go through the main doors yep and what happened that unit lost two guys in their very first patrol their two squad they're leaders go down yeah, yeah, the oncoming squad yeah, yeah. leaders. Yeah, because they took contact, and those guys, you know, out of mind, thinking get yep. to cover, they both run in, step on one, boom, boom. Yeah, you know it's crazy too. You bring up another good point. Every single time we do rip toa, right? Always something happens. But it's like they know. You know, the enemy- well, I mean, think about it. You have a bunch of helicopters coming in that haven't been coming in. Yep. They're dropping people off yep. where they haven't been dropping people yep. off. You have this mass influx, and now if I'm the enemy, it's like. Either I'm shutting things down for a minute to see how, how that figures out, or I'm all ahead full yeah. because now I'm thinking, hey, they're calling in backup. Like, yeah. we need to hit them before this gets organized. You know, no, you know? I mean, also, too, I mean, it's a good point, but I also think, too, they want to set the presidents, right? Yeah. You know, they want to set the presidents with that new unit coming in. Like, we're here to fight. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? That they're, we're not cowards. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, but every single riptoe I've been on, always something happens. Yeah, that that's unfortunate, but it, I mean, I don't even know if it's unfortunate, man, because uh, when we ripped out at that same time, we're ripping out, and the oncoming unit wanted a very fast rip. Mm-hmm. We tried to give them a longer rip, you know, to explain, hey, this ain't no joke. But right before they came in, we did something called the five day war. And I talk about it in my book. We went up there and dumped these dudes. Mm-hmm. I mean, we went up there and set it up so that when 2 9 come in. Yeah. That we would we could we could transition smoother, and I mean, thousands of two forty rounds, hundreds of forty Mike Mike. Uh, we blew several bridges up up in there, you know, in the northern AO. Right. Well, unfortunately, what ended up happening, or fortunately, however you want to look at it, didn't work out for the, our guys too good. Our relief. Well, the Taliban, like two days before their main element comes in, calls a ceasefire because we're up there just mm-hmm. just pushing them in. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And taking all their shit, taking all their supply routes, hitting bubbles that we hadn't hit in months, and they call a ceasefire. Mm. Like we get, um, like the ICOM chatter Marines say, they call yeah. a ceasefire for their for their guys. Like sweet, that's good for us, right? right? And we get in and transition these guys and do a tow, and then it's like a week after we leave that ceasefire lifts. Mm. And I hear these guys have been in country now 
for two weeks operating, listening to us say it's hell on earth, mm-hmm. but they didn't find anything. Yeah. And then as soon as that ceasefire lifted, it's it was on. a different story for them. Yeah. 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 So I would almost rather when the ripto comes in, it's serious. True. Things are the same, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. because if you have a unit come in and for two weeks they have nothing and then it goes from zero to blast mm-hmm. on the 11th day. That can catch you, and, and that, I think it caught people. That's a good point, right there, though. Um, yeah, I, I never thought about that way. It makes sense, though. So, um, just talking about Fallujah there. Um, so it was very kinetic. Um, I think I can't remember specifically. I think we lost twenty-five Marines of battalion. I think we lost twelve or fifteen in the week from that sniper fire. Um, from that sniper, I'm not sure if it was more than one, or as far as I know, it was one. But now, now go back to that. How, how many did that platform get? Uh, Several, uh, shoot, man. I would say I would say all of them that got shot by a single shot. Marines probably probably that 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 platform. Yeah, but how many is that? Uh, I would say twelve at least. Oh my goodness! So yeah. this guy's yeah, he's, this guy's he's very he, yeah, he's very good. Um, very good um, sniper and, and doesn't miss. You know what I'm saying? So, like when I was telling you, telling telling you in this story about Gettings when he got hit. Um, so he's kind of in the middle of the road mm-hmm. when he got hit because they're, they're crossing the road, danger area. And uh, when Wisdom went out and got him, as soon as Wisdom was grabbing him, he got shot too. So that was before we had side savvy plates. Yeah. So Gettings got hit, if I remember correctly, on the right or left side, you know, right in the organ right there. So it was just bouncing around his organs. Yeah. Um, and, you know, unfortunately he didn't make it. And um, same thing happened to Wisdom, but Wisdom was able to make it. Uh, after several surgeries, thank God. And um, so, but you know, during during that time in in uh, in Fallujah, um, you know, the the main main problems, of course, like anywhere is IEDs. Um, sniper fire was probably one of the biggest. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. You know, RPGs stuff like that. So you know, whenever we adjust, like I was saying, they would adjust too as well. Um, and you know, we always knew, you know, certain areas, there was always going to be IDs here. Doesn't, doesn't matter if we called EOD in or not every single time they're going to put new IDs out there, you know? So for example, um, it got to a point where, and I was telling you this earlier, it got to a point where we could not keep, you know, security outside in the open. You know, mm-hmm. we actually had to go to go inside buildings and do some security from there. So one time this brand new warrant officer in the army, uh, was EOD came out and he's all pissed off because we had, you know, no Marines in the open. Yeah. And he's like yelling, trying to yell at us. And I, I jumped in there. I said, listen here, motherfucker. I said, you just got here yesterday. I said, we're not standing in the open. I said, we're not, we're going to, if, if, if you come out to an ID with, with my guys or anybody from this company, we're going to be inside of a building because we're not going to take a shot, be in the open and get killed. We're not going to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, he, you know, he quiet down after that because it, what was he gonna say? Yeah, you know. Yeah. So yeah, but um, yeah, it was very kinetic there. Um, um, you know, so I, I think we lost twenty five Marines, if I remember correctly. Um, so you know, it was a, it was a, it was a tough deployment. Um, yeah, that's tough. Man. It was a tough one. So and then we came back um, from there, and then we knew we were going back. We we're told we we're going back to Fallujah again. Um, you know, a year later. Um, mm-hmm. you know, so, so it's like come home, work up and you're going right yeah, back. Yeah, pretty much. So, um, when, I, when I, it was 06, 07, um, and then when we, when we went out there, we went out there, I was a company gunny at the time. So all the company gunnies went out like 30 days prior to yeah, the company's like Advon or whatever. Right, right. 
you know, went, went there, um, you know, 30 days prior. So, you know, we're, we're making sure all, you know, all the companies are making sure when the seal gets on deck, all, you know, everything's accounted for, everything's, you know, all that stuff. So, so I, I remember, I remember correctly, it was 24th Marines. I remember correctly, we were, we were actually, we went back to Barri, that's where the battalion is. Yeah. Um, we went back there um, to, for a supply run or some kind of meeting or whatever it was. And, um, you know, so I, I was there for like a week or whatever. And I, I told, I told the company gunny and their XO, I was like, Hey, you, you guys, it's like, we're going to take the Marines to chow. I'm like, all right, cool. You know, we're eating tray rats at the time. And I'm like, yeah, cool, man. It's like, I've been here for a week, dude. Like take your Marines and go eat chow. I'll stay out here with the vehicles, the weapons and go eat chow. Right. He's like, well, we want to keep a Marine with you. I'm like, all right, whatever. So Make a long story short, I heard over the radio, uh, two of the Marines are, are got shot uh, right by the blue blue mosque. We call it the blue mosque because it's got you know big blue, whatever you want to call those things on the on the mosque there. Mm-hmm. And um, so two Marines got shot. Um, so I told the young Marine, "Hey, run in there and grab 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 your you know your your lieutenant and or the captain and uh, your company gunning your Marines, and we need to go." So they come out there because the react squads at Chow. Um, I don't know if we were even on react, but I'm, I'm just saying we're close. Gotcha. You know, they're not react, but you're like, I can yeah, help. We yeah. can help, you know, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. like if one of your brothers are down and you need to go help. Yeah. So anyways, um, they come out and he's kind of the, the XO, uh, the captain's kind of like, just not sure what to do, you know, just kind of like heaving and hopping. I'm like, Hey man, what are we doing here? Like, you know, we're like two minutes away. Let's go. And I know the city by heart. I'm like, mm-hmm. let's go and help these guys. And they're pinned down too, and they can like the. Squad. Oh, they're in a gunfight. Yeah, they're in a gunfight. They can't move. So you know, I say, hey, let's go, let's go help these guys. Oh no, no, we're gonna go to Fuji Surgical and meet them there. Make a long story short, um, a sergeant and a corporal died that day. Um, I think, and I can't remember the specific number. I want to say it's twenty-seven Marines that got killed from the battalion. I think when they left it was like thirty-two. Um, and that was a frustrating employment for me because you know. I think about we think during the time I'm thinking about it, it's like all this blood and tears that we lost prior to this, right? Then I find out like okay, so what's your patrol schedule? Oh, we don't patrol during the day. Like, what do you mean you don't patrol during the day? Oh, we patrol during the day. We take fire. I'm like, well, who, who's been, who, what unit is this? Like 24th Marines. Okay. So they're out of Michigan. Um, so reserve unit. Right? Yeah, reserve unit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, so oh, I'm wait, like, you guys are falling in on this, like to take yeah. over for them. Yep. And they just got you in a, in a soup sandwich. They got us in a situation where it's worse than I think when we got here came the last time, like the year ago. Yeah. yeah. So you know, and so I'm, so I, you know, I'm trying to keep my emotion in check, you know, too. And I'm like, I'm like, so tell me this. So you're not patrolling during the day because you're taking fire. Like, is that what is that what we're here for? We're we're here to like. So basically, what you're telling me the enemy can do do whatever hell they want to during the day, but at night, that's when you go out. I said, that makes no damn sense. Well, we lost 27 Marines. It's like, what's part of combat, man? <laughs> we, we don't want to lose anybody, but unfortunately, in combat, bad things happen. Yeah. So I called back, man, and uh, I think I was there for a couple of weeks. I called back, and I talked to the you know to the company first Sergeant, first Sergeant Kramer. I'm like, hey, man, it's like, listen, dude, like it's, it's freaking bad here. Like It's worse, probably, than the last time we were here. He was there with us, and... Um, so I was like, when the Marines get on deck, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give them a brief and just, you know, say, tell them some of you may not make it back, you know, because that's just the facts of mm-hmm. life, you know. So make a long story short, um, I think, if I remember correctly, I think one six was in Ramadi, 
at the same time, we're back in Fallujah, right? And they're, you know, Ramadi's always been bad, like Fallujah, you know. And they're doing some kind of operation. I don't, don't remember what it was called, whatever. But they're basically clearing out every single district mm-hmm. um, in in Ramadi. And it was pretty effective, you know. So um, at the time, our battalion commander was uh, Lieutenant Colonel Dun, or I'm sorry, Lieutenant Colonel Mullen. Um, and then he got promoted to the general, retired a couple of years ago. General Mullen, uh, William the Third. So he sent the battalion X up, up there, Major Benson, up to Ramadi just to see what 1-6 was doing. And uh, so we, he decided that we're going to do this operation called Operation Alja. Um, and one thing that 1-6 was doing that he didn't like, which didn't make any sense to me, they're trying to, they're kind of, kind of going in order for us district-wise. Hmm. So when we did this operation, we, we, we jumped around from district to a different district, you know, no, no order because the, to the, so, so they it, could set up or, yeah, or bail out, right? Whatever. Exactly. You know, you know, basically, basically what we were doing. So let's say, let's say we, you know, I can't remember what district we started. Let's say we started in Jolan district, for example, okay. right? So we we would go in there and clear every friggin' house out, right? You're finding any bad guys, you know, take them, take them. Typically in the last deployment to Fallujah, whenever we find a bad guy, we because that's finally they had a good police chief in Fallujah. Okay. Um, you mean local? Local, yeah, yeah police yeah. chief. So typically, if they went to um, to the to the police in Fallujah, they weren't probably going to make it, or they're going to get beat to death. Yeah. Whatever, whatever they do, I don't know. But they, but they do it. They, they do it. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So, and, you know, and they're taking every single male. Like, like we just operations with them. They're taking every male, not just mams. They're taking every male. So I think, I think that's kind of what it comes to. Right. Is it not like this is the cultural thing? Right. This is people that all grew up together on the same bullshit doing the same thing. So if you leave, let's say 10% of your military age fighters there. What do you think is going to happen with them? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean. So anyway, sorry, I didn't mean yeah. to interrupt, but I just think they know that, right? But, I mean, I mean, I mean, it's kind of obvious that like both deployments at first were like, excuse me, if you're between eighteen and twenty five, we're taking you, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, so you know now now the local the local police are taking everybody, every male, you know, and they bring them back to you know the jail and do whatever they do to them. I don't know. Um, well, that's Afghanis handling Afghanis, though. Right, right, right. At least that's not us having to do whatever they're doing. Exactly. So, and then, you know, when, when, you know, when we, we did, you know, some operations with them before we did Operation Elgin and, and then the local, um, you know, um, local hierarchy army and stuff like that. So, you know, they, the, you know, the, those, if they were insurgents or wherever they were, they, they'd be crying, man, like, we don't want to go because they yeah. know what's going to happen to them, you know? Yeah. And uh, it, it, I'm not going to lie, it was kind of a relief on us because we have to deal with, you know, no prisoners, you know, we just kind of like give them to them and then they do whatever they do. So shortly after that, like I was saying, we did camp, uh, we did uh, Operation Elja. And actually, if, if anybody's interested, there's a book on that too, that um, General Duffer wrote on that too, um, uh, that book. And uh, another gentleman, I forgot his name, but anyways, he explains like how uh, Operation Elja worked. But basically, we just... What's that book called, if you don't mind? I'll have to look it up. I can't Skip remember. Skip with me. Yeah, after, yeah, yeah. I think yeah, it's yeah. called Elja. I think it's, I think so. Um, but anyways, it's Operation Elja we did, and we basically just went from district and skipped around to whatever district and, you know, went from there. So basically what we did was um, we would establish, you know, establish like a COC for them, right? And we'd hire the local people, um, the, probably the same ones who were trying to kill us, you know what I'm saying, and pay them 20 bucks a, a month, whatever it was. I'm not sure what the, what, what the exact amount was, but maybe $25 a week, whatever it was. 
and they would be responsible for where they lived, mm-hmm. and making sure no bad guys come in, and making sure you know it's it says you know it's peaceful, the patrols and safe. You know, and we had Marines that would stay with them too as well. Um, make a long story short, that deployment I didn't lose anybody. You know, that's the best deployment I've been on, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, and and you know the younger Marines who never you know really seen anything, they're disappointed because they didn't get into any firefights, and you know the ones who've been there before were like, this is the best deployment ever. It's what you want, yeah. yeah. So yeah, it, it was uh, it was rewarding, man, because um, I think I think we might have lost two Marines in the beginning. You know, not my not my Marines in my company. You I mean think it was, rewarding in the sense that you got to see it get better yeah you get to you got to see it to get better right and you know it was rewarding because you know all the blood and shit and tears that not just my guys that are the marine you know marines in general yeah that did like you know there's a there's a change you know what i'm saying that that was the rewarding part and, and, and you could see like the the local people taking pride in where they lived at instead of being a dump trash everywhere crap in the you know in the streets and you know just you, you know and then you know there's always you know, even when he came back, and I came back in 07, the place was still destroyed from the push in Fallujah, you know? So they were cleaning all that rubble up, knocking buildings down. You, it was just, it was, it was a proud moment. It really, mm-hmm. really was. Mm-hmm. And not, not not because, you know, I lived there, because it changed. You know, you, you were kind of just like, you know, just proud. Yeah, positive. Um, you, you're impacting or um, you're positively impacting the area in the way in which you set out to. Right. And then also too, also too, like all the Marines, you know, and soldiers that died there is not in vain. Right. You know what I'm saying? So that's, I think that was the biggest, you know, thing that, you know, I got for that deployment and after, after, you know, we pulled out and then went to shit again. So, mm-hmm. you know, um, but it's just kind of crazy how you give these guys a little bit of money and, you know, things change, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. So I think, I think, I think that was probably a, two months in, into the deployment, I believe. And you know, you know, five months later, we had nothing going on, man. Nothing. It was so quiet. Mm. It was it was weird. Did it stay like that for the remainder of your time? Yeah. 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 It was it, it was eerie, but cool. Yeah. So yeah. Well, it's always better when you're not losing people. That's for sure. Uh, and if you're, you know, your whole deployment prior to that, you're losing people, and then you got this, you know, that sniper situation. And and were you in the exact same area that you were the first time? Um. Yes. Well, yeah. no, I'm sorry. This last deployment to Fallujah, I was in the train station. So we 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 were we were east, if I remember correctly. Yeah, we were east of it, not far. Not far though. Yeah, so, not far. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's um I mean, I think that's a good thing because you got leaders that have already been there in the mm-hmm. previous deployment, so they have a little bit of essay on the ground with enemy and terrain. Uh I wish we did better about that. Yeah. Like uh too many times I think, you know, like three, six is going to come out of Iraq and then boom, you're putting them into Afghanistan instead of, you know, like well, a green experience. unit that is now going into Iraq where they just were. No, I, I may agree yeah. with you. I mean, cause like, I'm not going to lie. I mean, of course we had a lot of changeover, you know, but we had, we had, a, we had a plenty of people who already been there, you know, in now our leadership positions or, you know, or like myself, who's already been there in a leader position and a few others, mm-hmm. you know, and so it just helped deployment overall. You not just not just that deployment, but the training, the work up. Yeah, you know, what I'm saying all that stuff just helped up. And we we know, and the, everybody's already been there knows the city. Yeah, they they they, they could have been anywhere in the city. We we knew it. Yeah, because you know, we we just you know you were do, there that long. Do do it so much. Yeah, it's like it's like it's like Groundhog's Day. You know, yeah. I mean, it's, it's the same thing every day. Yeah, I guess the danger would be like, um, let's just you know just throw out some 
units that don't mean anything and it's not real, but let's say two six. Okay, so three six kilo went into Marja, Northern Marja. Raunchy deployment, let's say. Mm-hmm. You send those same guys back True. to Marja on mm-hmm. a not raunchy deployment, there is some adjusting in the beginning of that. Yeah. You know, because those guys just came from there six, eight months ago and it was bad. Right. They're going to be yeah. looking for that same stuff. I don't know what's the happy medium. Yeah. I think I would rather have the guys with experience on that terrain there and have to pull the reins back and say, hey, it ain't but the same, it, or it is the same. It's, you know? e- it's In my opinion, it's easier to pull the reins back than, than to push them. Push 100%. Yeah, I'd, it's, rather, it's, I'd rather slow them down. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's like the training you, you do prior to going going to combat. You know, you go to 29 Palms, right? And then, you know, some some of their... Some of their scenarios are just ridiculous, right? Yeah. And then you get you get in country, you're like, okay, you know, not so, ridiculous enough. Yeah, you're not ridiculous enough. So I mean, it, but you know, it's like it's like anything. You can plan. You can have the perfect plan, right? Yeah, yeah. And and it's not the perfect plan when you actually do it. Well, I mean, I guess that's a good improvise, adapt, and overcome. We always, you know, coming up, I would brief my guys: don't fall in love with the plan. Know the plan. Yeah. Know the book, right? But be able to throw that shit out because it's like the Mike Tyson, right? Everybody's got plans. You get hit in the mouth, right? And then and then you have to flex because yeah. your plan might not be all that. Um, well, I mean, and I would say more times than not on operations, I had to adjust my plan. Nothing ever stayed to right. Well, and that, and that's see, that's what's good. That's what's good about Marines. Like we can adjust on the fly. That's right. You know what I'm saying? And, and you and, have to from and, the right. very beginning, right? So it's just bred into you. You know, something I want to talk about too is like. Um, my experience in combat deployments, you know, so let's say I had a Marine, for example, um, and one comes to mind who's always in trouble, right? Always in trouble in the rear, usually drinking nine <laughs> out of 10 times. Right. And, uh, you know, this one particular kid, not just him, just, just several ones, but, um, you know, he always in trouble, always in trouble with something, you know, and, um, you take him to deployment and he's one of your best rock stars, rock stars. Cause you have him by his doing? balls. It's either that or it's that. You know, uh, Winston Churchill said it's not only the generals in the in the upper staff that win the wars, but it's the stinks and stinkers too. Yep. It's those guys that are rushing the enemy with a smile on their face. Sometimes, you know, it's those guys that have that little bit of edge, that little mm-hmm. bit of wild in them, that dog, right? Mm-hmm. And in the rear, it's not a good place for those yeah. guys. You got to keep the asses in the field. You got to keep a short leash on them because yep. you know they're the guys that are gonna. You know, go out in town and get arrested, or you know, fuck something up real bad and and fuck their career up at the same time. But man, they're the same guys. You get them in combat, and they're animals. Yeah, and they can be they can yep. be cool and collect. Yeah, and then and then you have guys who are in the rear who don't get in trouble, but you put them in combat, and they're <sighs> and they they're just pansies. Combat does weird things to people, yeah. man. Yeah, you know that's crazy too. It's like my mentality in combat is so much so much different than back in Garrison because, you know. Shit out there does not matter. Like, okay, I'm not worried about if you if your camis are perfectly clean. Mm-hmm. I'm not worried about if your boots are perfect. I'm not worried about all that stuff. You know, and Garrison, we got to you know that's more of a concern. Well, so it's, like, it's attention to detail, and I think we need to have attention to detail. But right, people can take that too far. I mean, we yeah. just talked offline about uh, H Kaya mm-hmm. and order come down from the top top head shed. Uh, even above the Marine Command 1-8 that was there, that they needed to go up and police call for the Taliban. It's like... That's crazy. That's a, that's, a, that's some attention to detail that maybe we could have done that in garrison, but I'm not exactly sure why you had them do that. Yeah. You know what I mean? So some guys take it a little too far, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, some guys... Um, 
you know, bless all your hearts in the drill instructor world. Some guys just never come on like that old adage. Oh, yeah. They don't come off the drill field. No, you're it's right. like, it's like, yeah, you're off the drill field and you're in the goddamn desert, dude. Yeah. And why are you making people police call? You know, <laughs> like three, two had an issue with that. Really? Habania deployment. They had the yeah. police call I remember that. out in Hob and that was a kinetic deployment where they lost people mm-hmm. and they had people out there telling them to police call like the uh, serpentine entrance yeah. to their, to their fob. And it's like, I think people get so far detached sometimes, even in command elements, that um, they start worrying about things like Aaron Garrison that they shouldn't be worrying about. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that would always be adjustment. Let's say, um, you know, I would try to take some Marines back to um, Barria to get get some child because, you know, usually, you know, we're eating MREs or we're eating tray rats, and tray rats are not very good. We all know MREs are not very good, but. So we, you know, that was always adjustment. We go back. We, we go back to let's say we say so they're going to Barria. We go to Camp Fallujah and you have the Marines get some chow, right? So I, I remember this story, and uh, so I had all my Marines, you know, go get some chow. And I said, hey, I'm gonna watch. The, I'm gonna watch the vehicles. I'm gonna watch your weapons. Go eat. Well, maybe about five minutes later, one of my Marines comes running back. Hey, Sergeant Major So and So, stop me, okay? What do you want? And uh, he's like, well, where's your weapon at? He's like, well, my platoon sergeant's watching it. Oh, no, you need to have it on you. Okay, make a long story short. Um, we, we, the only reason we were at in Fallujah in the first place, we, we just had a Marine get hurt or, you know, get get hit. And so we're bringing back to Fallujah Surgical. Um, so, you know, a lot of my Marines were already bloody as it was. So the Sergeant Major came over and, uh, and started talking to me, and I went off on this guy. And I was like, listen, man, I was like, I was like, you know, I respect your rank and everything, but this is the most bullshit fucking thing. I said, my, my guys are here to get some chub. We just lost, we, we, one of my Marines may not make it. And you're worried about freaking, if they're carrying their fucking weapons to chow. So get the fuck out of here. Because Fallujah Surgical in this base over here is relatively a safe yeah, place. A like safe, you're in the yeah, wire. It's, it's a safe place. So make a long story short. So he didn't like what I had to say. He called my Sergeant Major up. So my Sergeant Major, um, it's like, next time you're in Barria, come see me. All right, cool, man. So I go see him. He's like, don't do that shit again. I'm like, this is fucking stupid, man. I was like, come on. Tell, tell the guy to go fuck himself. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that basically, that's basically what I told him in, in, in a tactfully t- tactfully way, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, but yeah, that's one thing I, I would have to say, man. It's like, like, realize where you're at. You know what I'm saying? Realize where you're at if you, if, if some of you guys go to combat, realize where you're at. You know what I'm saying? Some of that shit, the attention detail shit's all important, especially in combat. It's in anywhere, but don't worry about the stupidest shit that does not matter. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, for example, um, we had a big problem, you know, all the time in Fallujah with with, with uh, feral dogs, right? Mm-hmm. You know, because they'd be eating dead bodies, they'd be barking when you're on patrol. Yep. So the last deployment I was coming, Gunny, um, General Mullen said. Uh, he was, he was a lieutenant colonel at the time, but he said, uh, hey, Gunny, I want you to kill as many of these feral dogs as you can. Okay, well, that's the order he gave me, so I'm going to take that, and we're going to kill we some dogs. make that mission happen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I, so we got some, like, SOG hats in the, in the mail from SOG, right? And some ball caps, whatever. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, I, I, I would take the NCOs out, um, and when the Marines say, hey, Gunny, Post 2 has got four dogs here, whatever the case may be is, and I was like, hey, put the SOG hat on. We'd be in boots and utes. We'd go out there and destroy the dogs. We'd you know, put some gloves on, drag them over to the burn pit, and burn these dogs. Well, my uh, my uh, first sergeant would always get pissed at me. 
I'm like, Gunny, what are you doing? I'm like, what do you mean, what am I doing? I'm doing following the battalion commander's direct order. He wants to be killed dogs. No, no, with these saw cats. It's like, dude, relax, man. Like, if, if, if I can take these guys for a few minutes and have some quality time, they're not wearing sog hats on, on patrol. They're not wearing outside the world. They're not wearing the world without me because I have them. Mm-hmm. And I said, just relax. I said, they're doing this. Whether you like it or not, I don't care. And he's my roommate. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I said, it's, it's not going to change. You know, we're doing this. He finally just shut up. Yeah, yeah. So, but I mean, it was just an outlet for me to like, Spend some time with the NCOs. Sure. You know what I'm saying? And then doesn't worry. I ain't worried about no damn SOG fucking hat. You know what I'm saying? We're, yeah. we're, we're, we're just there to. And to, yeah, yeah, I get it. Yeah. And he's just trying to crush everybody. Yeah. I, I just, I, I didn't even listen to anything he had to say. Yeah. So. Check. I, I, I looked at, for me, I look at more like a, more like a morale booster for him, you know? Yeah. You know, yeah. you know, the ones that, you know, been, been on a couple of combat deployments in a row and. Stuff like that. But, you know, one thing I failed to mention, and it's probably a good lesson learned um, on the first deployment to Iraq. So um, I was telling you earlier, so, you know, the platoon sergeants and the, and the platoon commanders can coordinate with each other. Because we we always get... You're talking about the first push in Fallujah. Yeah, the first or, push. Or the first yeah, deployment. Yeah, first deployment okay, in check, Fallujah. Check. So the first deployment in Fallujah, we could, you know, conflict between um, platoons. You know, we're doing a changeover as far as, you know, you know, what routes we took, where we were at, stuff like that. So we did a really good job with that too as well. Mm-hmm. And um, so we're not setting any patterns. Um, it was going great, man, you know. And then all of a sudden, um, the CEO decided he wanted the EXO to be in charge of that. So basically the EXO was planning our routes, um, which was... The EXO is, the EXO is planning now squad patrol routes that yeah he's not going on. Yep. Check. Yeah. So, I mean... Not not so much to the T, but like this is the area we're going in. Mm-hmm, you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? And then you know, not looking at the patterns as far as where we've been, or where and other people, other, other squads people have been, been and yeah. such. Yeah. So you know, we we are you know, so whenever we do a changeover, we always talk and be like, "Hey, where'd you go this week? Yep, yep. These last three days or four yep, days, yep. whatever it was." And like, hmm, well, we're supposed to go to the same area. Sorry about that. No worries. Um, we're supposed to go. To, we're supposed to go to the same area, um, and so of course I bring this up to the chain of command to the to the company gunny, uh, and I was a gunny too, and I bring it up to the first sergeant, and you know, and and I started getting irate about this. So I'm like, listen, man, it was like someone's gonna get freaking because he keeps sending every patrol back into the same same area, just setting a same pattern area, to yeah, go down pattern. the same yes, yeah, okay, same check. same same area, and uh, so I I. Uh, So sorry about that. It's all good. Anyways, so we're setting patterns up. So I I um I I uh, bring it up to the chain of command, and um, I'm like, listen, something's something's gonna happen. You know, something bad's gonna happen. And sure enough, like three, two or three days later, um, one of one of one of one of my Marines on company, Kenny, he got hit pretty good, um, by an, an ambush and small uh, small arms fire. And um, of course, of course, I'm pissed off even more now because this happened. Um, so, you know, and was it in the area where you expected it to be because yeah, of yeah. how saturated yep. it stayed? Yeah. Because of, because of the patterns that we saw. So, you know, and so, and even, even to this day, if I haven't seen Kramer now, um, I would tell him the same thing, but you know, make a long story, come back for deployment. And I think his hands were kind of tied. I um, mean, he, he ain't a type of person like me who speaks his mind out in the open. Mm-hmm. He's more of a person that does it behind closed doors. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm the opposite. If something's wrong, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just jump up and down and say something. Yeah. It doesn't matter who's there. Yeah. 
Um, so anyways, make a long story short, we get back from that deployment, you know, all the staff and seals and officers were, I think it was just staff and seals were having some beers and then just chilling out. And he finally, he finally acknowledged that I was right. Oh, it took that much time, yeah, though? Yeah, yeah, it took that much time. Yeah, because he kind of fought, fought you on it, right? Well, Because he wanted your guys to just turn right, right right back around and go out, right? Well, that was the that was a battalion XO. Oh, that was the XO, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, um, I, I, No, I don't, think he, I don't think he was fighting with me, per se, because he knew what I was talking about. But I think his hands are tied as far as with the CO. You know I got gotcha. you. You know what I'm saying? There's not much more he can do. Yeah. So, but, um, you know, but... Also, too, uh, you brought up another point, too, about the... I think I took the first casually, first time in Fallujah in, in 05, 06, whatever year it was. And um, and so um, I I just got back from patrol. My, my lieutenant took a squad out, and they're doing a um, vehicle patrol, and they got hit by an ID en route frame. And uh, one of my squadrons lost his leg, so we had to send him back to Germany. Um Anyway, so you know, I I get woken up from that, and um, so I'm you know I'm deciding who who the squad is going to be. I have two people in mind, just just trying to figure out who 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 would be the best. And then the company XO is going around telling my Marines are going back out in five minutes. You know, like like no, we're not. We're going to stick to our patrol schedule. We're not going to adjust it because you want us to go back out. Make a long story short, um, you know, I was I was hunting this this XO down, uh, telling him this this is not happening. Um, so I I uh, finally found him, said my said some choice words to him. It never happened, you know. Obviously, um, I talked to the CEO about it, and like, you know, we're going to stick to this patrol schedule. But you know, one thing I just want to say is like, you know, whether you're in combat or not, you see it's something that's not right, right? Whether it's, whether it's a uh, um, you're setting patterns up or, you know, you're, you're, um, to have to stand up to someone who's not making the right decision, you know, make sure you do that because if you don't stick up for your guys, nobody else is going to. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, and then also too, you also got to keep in mind too, when you, when you lose someone or one of your Marines get injured, your emotions are already going a hundred miles an hour. Um, and I'm, I'm very, I'm very outspoken anyways and then once your emotions get in there you know oh yeah you're gonna say things that doesn't even matter you don't even, you don't think about it. you just all you know majority is all emotion really yeah spewing spewing yeah 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 that's really what it is yeah i think there's yes yes there's definitely emotions and, and you have to be able to check that but um it is important, not five minutes later, but you must go back out. For sure. Like, you get your guys, you give, you talk to them, mm-hmm. get their heads cleared. Mm-hmm. Definitely stick to your schedule if you right. have a schedule and other missions that are dependent on your guys being ready for that time. Because you're not going to come right in, and, and unless it's drastic situation, pushing right back out with the same squad that just got hit right. and that's shook up still right. and that needs to breathe a little bit might not be the best option. Yeah, I, I think uh, I think what I did was I think I um I I I same I I stayed to the same schedule, mm-hmm. but what I did I think I pushed one of the squads that was supposed to go out afterwards before them. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Just, just, give, just them give them time. Yeah, yeah. Give give them time, and then also, you know, I want to make sure the new squad leader had a chance to talk to his guys. Sure. You know, and and given his expectations. Um, so, you know, it's just, you know, I want them back out there because I want them to be scared to go back out there again. I want them to go back out there and feel comfortable. Be confident be in confident. what they got, the exactly. team they got, yeah, the exactly. time they have. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And then, you know, not, not, not just, you know, 
figuring out who the new squad leader, but who's going to be the new team leader too. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. And, and you know, yeah, and, and you got to change gear up. You got to change. You may have to change weapons up depending. Like, right. like I lost a, a saw gunner early. Mm-hmm. Well, you're not sending the saw back with no, him. No, you're figuring out who now can I transition all this to. There's, there's some uh, administrative work that needs to be done. Not five minute administrative work. Right. Uh, and then I, after I something like yeah, that. I'd, I'd also talk to my team leaders too, and say like, like, okay. You know, even before I made a decision, I already knew who I was picking. But I asked him, like, who do you think's the best for this position? And I would ask him, like, you know, just like we're talking right now, you know, and see what they would have to say. And like, and then ask him, like, who do you think's the next person to be a team leader? You know, I, I wanted their input. Uh, you know, I had I already knew who it's going to be, mm-hmm. but I also wanted them to own it too. You know what I'm saying? Like, like mm-hmm. they're, they're part of the decision. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, and it took me it took me a while to figure that out. But once I figured that out, it's like if I can. I don't want to sell it to them per se, but if I can get everybody involved, right, in, in the decision and make it their own, well, then it's harder for them to go back on it when there's boundaries and exactly. obstacles they exactly. come up against. One hundred percent. And let's be honest, man. If you're in a regular infantry squad, okay, you got the squad leader and you got three team leaders. One of them team leaders is the APL, right. and if he's not, he should be. Yep. It should be established, and there should be a, uh, you know, a hierarchy. Okay, if squad leader goes down, APL picks up. If the APL goes down at the same time squad leader does, team two, team leader picking it up, you know, yeah. so on and so on. That should be established. Yeah. However, it doesn't always work. It, yeah. it doesn't always go that I, way. I think, I think too, is like, you know, some of the things I learned, um, you know, even before with the combat, it's like, you know, I tell these guys this, like, after Donnelly got hit, right, mm-hmm. it was so much more serious for these guys. Oh yeah, and, you know what real. and their eyes are like this big, you know. So everything I said to them prior to that, it all came, you know. They're like, "Holy crap! I understand why you did things." Mm-hmm. They never understood at the time, mm-hmm. you know. what I'm saying, but once, once that happens to you, then their their whole horizon just kind of opens. Yeah, you know. what I'm saying that this is real. Yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying. And then so that and they think about the training, like you know, Marines always want to complain about the training's not good enough, or we could have did this, or whatever the case may be. Um, and then they realize like that we're doing this for a reason, you know? So it, it, after that happened, I think, I think not just my platoon per se, the whole company kind of just you locked know, in. Yeah. Walked, you know, you know, locked in and realized what, you know, what we're in. And as far as, um, you know, as far as what we're doing, because I don't, I don't think it really hit home when that Marine from seven Marines got hit. Cause it wasn't one of ours. It, yeah, it's one of our Marines, but not one of our own. It's not, you know what I'm saying? It's not your dude. Yeah, it's not your dude. So, yeah, man, it's, it's um, you know, I, I can say this, you know, that I, I went, shoot. I, I didn't go to combat for like 12 years, 11 years for I was in the, for where I, you know, for I finally went be in the Marine Corps and I was always ready, right? And, mm-hmm. I, and I always had the right mentality and I, we got, I had the training, um, but the younger guys that don't realize that, like I, I've been, I, I was, I've been waiting to go to combat. Yeah. Like I couldn't wait. You know what I'm saying? Like people are like you're stupid. No, like I couldn't wait to go. I, I wanted to go so bad. When when they're doing Phantom Fury and we're stuck in Afghanistan guarding the embassy, we I was pissed off. Yeah. Like why isn't this us? Mm-hmm. You know. Then we found out we, you know, we're gonna get our opportunity. So. Yeah, man. Awesome. What's after that? See, after that. Uh, I got promoted the first sergeant and then left. Promoted first sergeant, left, yeah. and then, um, what year did you retire? I retired till I'm 13. 
Thirteen. Um, okay. Yeah. So when I when I it was uh, two thousand and seven when I left two six, and then I went to I nine duty. Something I could talk about too as well. I went to I nine duty in uh, in Indiana, and uh, one of the things about I nine duty. Um, I-90 is not a bad duty station, so you you know it's just it's people understand it. So um, as a first sergeant, and I had a staff of 13 Marines, kind of myself. Uh, so I had a captain and and 11 other Marines. So basically, what they're what we're there for is to inspect and instruct their reserves, um, and then you know they come in once a month and do their training, and then once a year they do their two week training for annual training. Um, so. You know, you know. Besides, you know, you do toys for tots out there in the local community. Uh, but you know, one of the biggest things we're really busy with was um, uh, doing funerals. So you yeah, know, like if, Keiko stuff. Yeah, Keiko stuff. Yeah, yeah. So if if if, if a marine if a marine um, if, if a marine was if a marine was killed in in um, if a Marine was killed, like in combat or or you know suicide or whatever the case may be, you know we had to notify the family if yeah. they were, you know if they lived in Indiana, um, or if, say a veteran died um, too as well, we have to do the you know the family requested you know uh, uh, funeral uh, honors. We had to do sure. that as well. So, but yeah, I, I would say, man, like I I did quite a few um, cacos, whether it was a, a Marine who killed himself or it was a Marine who died in combat, or, or they could be lost. In a traffic accident yeah, or drown or, 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 or whatever. whatever. Whatever, you know, yeah, yeah. whatever it may be. Um, but, you know, I, I tell you, that's probably one of the toughest things I had I've, I had to do um, is go into a, a stranger's house and let them know that their loved one was, you know, passed away. Um, and then also that bring, that brought back so much um, stuff from the, from, the, from the war for me too as well that I never, it was like back back in my brain hygiene group that I never Locked really thought away. about. Locked away. Yeah, like, never, never really thought about so yeah, but um, yeah, but that that was a that was a rewarding experience, tough experience. Well, there's honor in that. As hard yeah. as it is, you know, I've had guys talk about the parade duty and the Keiko duties, you know, on on the show before, and it's like even though it was your thirtieth or your three hundredth, mm-hmm. that family gets one of those, yeah. and you have to hold your shit together and be a man for those minutes and those hours, whatever that is, so that that family can get the same as the last family and the yep. last family. And so there's definitely honor in that. I did not want that job. No. There's no way you could ever uh, convince me that that was a job that I should take or that I would want to be happy about. But I think there's just a massive amount of honor in it and doing it right for honor alone can be yeah. good enough. So. And, I, and I, th- I think one, I think some people don't realize, um, this too like this this could last a year like you know let's let's say for example you uh get that marine remains back to their family get them buried and all stuff but that's this that job's not done yet mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying it, that could last a year or longer let's say there's an investigation let's say you know a marine killed himself for example right and you know the family has a hard time even accepting that in the first place and there's an investigation, so you're you're with them till the whole investigation's done. Mm. Um, so you know, so you know, I get phone calls two, three in the morning. You know, you know that you know they they had a question or whatever, it be, and of course you take the take the phone call and you yeah. know, you, you you deal with that. So, but it, you know, it's it, it's very rewarding too as well. Um, and then uh, I probably one of the things I want to talk about too is like 
um, I got an opportunity when my brother was uh, drowned um, in 2019. Um, I reached out to General Dunford, who was the Joint Chief of Staff at the time, because he served under my brother served under him, and I served under him too when I was a sergeant. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was he was retiring at the time, so he couldn't couldn't. I was asking him basically if he could present the flag to, the, to my to my family, my parents, and um, he couldn't do it. Unfortunately, he was getting ready to retire, which is fine. So I reached out to General Mullen. Um, I knew, I knew my brother never served under him, but I knew it'd be near and dear in his heart because his brother died of a drowning. Mm-hmm. So I asked him um, if he would do that as well. So um, of course he did it. But I was able to escort my brother's remains back. And first time I wore a uniform in seven years, I was mm-hmm. able to, um, you know, wear, wear my uniform and escort his remains from California to Arlington, and uh, that was that was a. Uh, quite an honor man mm. um and you know you know doing that as well yeah yeah so yeah it's amazing an amazing honor it's not great it's not amazing that you had to do yeah. it but to be able to do that as a brother you know for your brothers that's awesome yeah it was awesome man you know and yeah i, I didn't really get a chance to grieve for him because you know when i put my uniform on i'm, I'm a marine i'm not going to show any kind of emotion mm. you know i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna I'm put that marine face on stuff like that so you know, I, I think after that kind of hit me, you know, and then it was it was like a make a long story short. There, you know, something I could talk about too is a it was a I went to Quantic. I mean, I started, I went to Arlington like four times, um, so I could I could never bury my brother. Um, make a long story short, um, this lady, my son, or my son, this lady, um, this lady that my um, um, my brother was seeing. Uh, supposedly they got married that day, but there's no marriage license, no no marriage certificate at all. So the Marine Corps for three days uh, pulled the mass aren't from her because um, she couldn't prove that they're married. Um, so anyways, she decided to go to the, the courts in California and, and try to fight this. Um, what, so they, for money? Yeah, for money. For the $400,000. Um, that's not a problem. My brother's red was all jacked up. Um, so make sure, you know, whoever's listening to this, if you're still in, make sure your red's updated. So my brother was married. His wife passed away January of, uh, 2019 and they're going through the divorce. So he never updated that. Um, so that was a, uh, fiasco to say the least. So make, make a longer story short. Um, so my brother had, had his wife listed on there and then he had my mom as secondary. So the Merc was trying to decide, well, how are we going to work this? between both parents. So they decided to split it up between my both both my parents. Um, but uh, make a long story short too, um, I went back to Arlington like four times, could never bury my brother. He was in the court systems. Finally, finally the, the, I think it was the second or third time, um, we, they, we, they decided that, hey, we're just gonna, um, we're just gonna do the ceremony um, for my brother. We're not gonna bury him, we're just gonna do the ceremony. Um, and Why I, weren't they burying him? Well, this is what I was going to get ready to tell you. So my brother, my brother's wife was in the Marine Corps. Okay. And I know she was in the Marine Corps, but I didn't know she got dishonorable discharge. Um, so my brother, I didn't know he could even do this. He gave up his rights, his, his, his veteran rights to her for her to be buried in National Cemetery. Yeah. I didn't know you could do that I either. I didn't know you could even do that. So when we, we, we were in Arlington, the funeral director came up to me and said, Hey, first Aaron, do you know where your brother was buried his wife at? And I was like, somewhere in California. So let me ask my uncle. My uncle, my uncle owned a funeral home and, in California. And he knows all, you know, I told my brother to talk to him about, you know, best places and all that. And he said, I think he said Rosewood, California. Um, 
Anyways, and they come back and said, hey, just so you know, your brother gave up his rights. And I said, what do you mean? It's like, well, his wife had a dishonorable discharge, and he gave up his rights for her to be buried in the National Cemetery. It's like, oh, my God. And so I didn't know you could even do that. And um, I'm like, well, this is your guys' fault. I'm like, you know, this has been planned for how long? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, what are we going to do now? Oh, well, we can bury him at Quantico. So, like at the veteran yeah, the, yeah, the, cemetery? Yeah, yeah. So, but... Make a long story short, that never happened through the court systems, you know, and his body was just being, you know, decomposed, you know, it was going on for months. And so I thought we had a, we had a, we had to uh, cremate him. So, oh. yeah. So she, she actually got her way. That's what she wanted. His girlfriend, wherever she was, um, she, she wanted him to be cremated and stay in California. Well, she never stayed in California. According, according to her, my brother wanted to be buried in California which doesn't make any sense to me. No one talks about where they want to be buried at, at a young age, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but make a long story short, um, you know, we cremated him, and then, you know, my mom got a percentage of the remains, or of his, his ashes, and so did she. And, um, you know, that was that. And then, you know, back in April of this year, she's trying to still sue the Marine Corps for benefit, you know, for the money. So I haven't heard anything about that as well. So Death makes people do... Very yeah. strange things, yeah. man. But um, I'm sorry about that. That's uh, that's tragic. It's not only tragic in the fact that you lost your brother, but and then you got like uh, you know some tomfoolery going on at the end of it yeah. is um, makes the situation even worse. So, um, well, man, we've been going for a hot minute. I appreciate you coming on and sharing it. your uh, sharing your story and sharing what you've been through, giving giving these uh, you know active guys and even some recovering guys, uh, veteran guys, things to think about, uh, uh, stories to reminisce on. I'm sure that you know the guys that were there with you when they hear this can you know kind of snap back a little bit. Um, but I appreciate you coming out and uh, and and being on the show, man. Yeah, Great I appreciate deal. it, man. Thank you. Great deal. All right, guys, that's it. So if you've seen something that resonates with you, make sure you push it out, and uh, and we'll see you next time on Choices Not Chances. Well, that concludes this episode. Thanks for listening to Choices Not Chances podcast. Please share, like, and subscribe wherever you listen or watch our podcast. You can also follow us on social media at Choices Not Chances podcast. Thanks, and have a great day. Louisiana Gun Shop, your firearm headquarters. Specializing in concealed carry guns, ammo, and training, you can get your Louisiana permit with us. Also, a large selection of AR-15s, or if you are that build-it-yourself type of guy or gal, we have all the parts to build and customize your own AR-15. Glock, Sig, Taurus, Ruger, we have all the brands, both in the store or at louisianagunshop.com. Not too far. You're marking the building. Hit him. Yeah, that's good. That's a good shot. That's a bloody bucket.